Welcome to the Single Well Podcast. My name is Dr. Mila and I am a family doctor turned wellness transformation coach. I created the Single Well for Christian single women and moms who want to learn how to simply incorporate wellness practices into their daily lives. After having a baby, getting divorced, and years of struggling with weight gain and declining health, I went searching for a natural weight loss solution. But instead, I discovered that true health was found in leveraging my spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, and relational wellness. Listen in to gain the tools and mindset to start developing your own unique wellness strategy. Let's do this. Please note, the information shared on the Single Well Podcast is meant for informational purposes only and is not meant to replace the advice of your personal physician or healthcare practitioner. Please consult your personal medical professional before embarking on or implementing anything discussed on the podcast. You are listening to Pivot and Bloom, where you will be empowered to change your mindset, flourish in your body, and fully engage in your own wellness revolution. I am your host, Camila Marie, MD. The content shared in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Be sure to always consult with your physician on any and all of your personal health matters. final episode in a four-part series on abnormalizing illness. I have greatly enjoyed this work. Um, It helps me to just kind of talk through some things that have been on my mind as far as some of the conditions I see and starting to shift our mindset from illness to wellness and in these everyday things. Um, So, you know, today's topic will be deconditioning, brain fog, and fatigue. And I lump these together because they're kind of vague and I'll have to explain what what each one is in in some sense. But, you know, um, so many people suffer from these problems and it's something that we have normalized. We've said, okay, you know, it's normal to be out of shape and not be able to move. It's normal to feel a little cloudy or foggy sometimes with your thinking. Um, It's normal to be tired. You know, how, how often do we normalize that? Um, and I think in a, in a way, at times, these things are somewhat um, common. You know, I don't like to say normal, um, but common and, and they can be typical and they can be expected. But I think when we normalize them, we minimize them and we um, don't pay attention to the impact that they can have on our health going forward or the signal that they send about what we're going through. And so when I take deconditioning, for instance, a lot of people are like, well, what's that? Some people can, you know, if you're a physical therapist or, 
you know, physical medicine physician, you probably, you, you should know exactly what that is. But for most people, they're like, well, what is that? Um, deconditioning is that uh, breakdown of our bodies where we start to not have the endurance that we had before, um, to not be able to walk very far without um, feeling short of breath or sweating profusely or things like that. Now, a caveat to that is if you are having that, if you feel you know, chest pain, especially, but it doesn't have to be chest pain, but walking and feeling like, man, I'm just really winded or I have to stop walking. That can be a medical emergency. So don't ignore that. Um, if you have that, this is not, that's not the time to say, oh, I'm going to try to embrace wellness. Like, no, you need to get that checked out. Um, those can be signs of a heart attack, um, or blood clot in the lungs or any of those things. So always, you know, take that seriously and, and get the, the best and fastest help you can with that. But um, the um, the type of deconditioning I'm talking about, or when I speak on this deconditioning, I'm talking about that gradual loss of the use of your body. You know, um, if you don't move, you lose certain functions. Um, and sometimes that can be... Um, usual. Um, so if you're in the hospital, um, if you have been down for a while, if you ever had a broken bone, you know, that, um, if you have to wear a cast that, that muscle tends to, um, kind of get smaller or be less, uh, strong or, or more weak than the other muscle until you, um, you know, do physical therapy and improve that because your body's not using it when you have a cast on. And so it's um, really interesting how the body adapts to that. Uh, but over time, if we're just not moving and not at being very active, then we will develop this deconditioning thing. And so I can't tell you how many times I've seen people with um, pretty significant medical symptoms, things that they suffer with that they're like, man, you know, I'm having this issue. And it's, you know, been bothering me for a while. You know, I have a lot of pain in my joints. I have problems breathing, which we talked a little bit about in the last episode. Um, you know, I'm having all these problems where um, I just feel like I can't get around like I could. And I, you know, I'm very limited. Um, and it usually happens over the course of, you know, months to years, you know, and uh, most people don't notice it um, because it doesn't happen. It happens very gradually. But um, they just get to a point where they can't do as much as they think they should be able to do. And this is a function of us not moving. You know, it, it really is. Um, sometimes people do develop other health conditions that limit their ability to move. And so that's very valid as well. But it, a lot of it, a lot of that, a lot of it has to do with um, us not um, moving our bodies and caring for our bodies the way that we should. And so um, you know, now I will point out that there are people that don't have the space to move. So, um, by that, I mean, there are people who have problems with, um, transportation, so they can't get, um, certain places. They don't have a car, so they can't get to a gym or they can't go to certain grocery stores. And, you know, these are parts of the social determinants of health. Um, which unfortunately affects a lot of people of color more than more than others. So um, there are other factors to this where, you know, you don't have to work out at a gym. I talk about that a lot. But if you can't get to a fitness center, if you have a small apartment or a small home and you don't have room to work out in your home, 
If it's not safe to work out outside or go out and walk in the neighborhood, you don't have sidewalks. It may not be that it's unsafe, but you don't have sidewalks in your neighborhood. There's just all these things to consider, and I can go on and on and on about that. So there are definitely other factors. But what can we do um, just to start moving and and decreasing that deconditioning thing? Um, A lot of people ask me, like, what can I do to, to so I can move more? And, you know, what can I do with this pain? And, you know, parts of that are, again, things that we have in our diets, things that we have in our environment. And so when you think about the packaged and processed food, you think about um, foods that have gluten for some people, foods that have a lot of sugar and starch um, for some people actually lead to inflammation. And that inflammation causes their joints to hurt. Um, it causes their body to stiffen up. Um, it can lead to um, problems similar to or to fibromyalgia where they just have body pain all over. Um, there's just so many things to think about um, when you think of this, you know, so many factors. Um, but it is something that a lot of people deal with and a lot of people have resigned to it. You know, I'm just getting older and, you know, just can't move as I could, which there's some truth to that. But you should still be able to do a lot. I know both of my parents are always on the go, (laughs) even when they're getting older. They're both always on the go. They're both always doing stuff. My dad rides a bike. My mom's always out in the garden. So, you know, you don't have to become stagnant because you're getting older. And the truth of the matter is I'm seeing people my age and younger with this same problem where they can barely move around at 30 and 35. Um, It is quite alarming, you know, to say the least. And so by moving, by using your body, by, you know, lifting weights, even if you can't do a lot, you know, you can't get up and move around because you have a broken bone or you have an issue with one of your joints, you know, try to keep that upper body strength moving, you know, sit in front of, if you're watching TV, you know, lift some cans, you know, and, and get some strength there, you know, walk around your house, you know, just anything just to keep moving as much as you can and safely as you can, can help with, um, to avoid or decrease your risk of deconditioning. Um, brain fog, brain fog is interesting in a lot of ways because it's hard to describe. Um, I've had this when I've had sinus issues or allergies or headache, you know, you're just like, Oh, I can't think clearly. I just want to go lay down. Um, but a lot of people deal with this. They come in and they're like, I just feel like I'm not doing my work. You know, they may come in with a diagnosis that they've kind of made, you know, I think I have ADHD or I think I have this because they just can't put their finger on what's making their brain feel foggy, so to speak, why they can't think clearly, why they're having trouble processing things. And there's a whole lot to be said for this, but it's very, very common. Um, and of course, just like everything else, it's multiple factors, lots of things to consider. Um, there's no one easy answer, but this can happen quite a bit with excessive stress. So, um, we're all stressed right now. (laughs) So I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this. Um, but certain foods and certain things can also make us feel foggy, make our thinking less clear. Um, I know when I used to eat a lot of sugary and starchy foods, um, you know, I would get after, you know, get to start, you know, start up working after lunch and just feel like, you know, I was just dragging and I was so sleepy and I wish I could just go home and take a nap. And that's brain fog too, you know, where you just feel like, man, like it's just a chore to think through things and to try to do things. And that's your body just adjusting what it's doing 
based on what what you, your your environment and what you've eaten. Um, and so this is a very important problem that um, we need to address. We need to be able to define it. We need to be able to talk about it and really work on that. Um, of course, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of those foods and things that we, um, you know, eat a lot of and that are, you know, because we're creatures of habit, we, we have those things frequently. And so start looking at that. Um, you know, what am I putting in my body? Um, am I having a lot of caffeine and sugar in the morning? And then you have this kind of drop off. I think that was what was happening to me when I had a lot of brain fog was, you know, your body is like on this high heightened state. And then everything kind of wanes and then now you're back to like, you kind of dips a little bit, not even back to your baseline, but it kind of dips a little bit. You're tired, you're dragging, you don't, you know, um, it's a chore to do your normal tasks. And so that's also something to think about. Um, fatigue. Fatigue is a big one. Um, everybody's tired. <laughs> everybody's run down, exhausted, especially this year. Um, but fatigue is very vague. So it's, I've never noticed the, the similarity there, but they both end in G-U-E. Um, it is very vague. Um, everybody, everybody defines this differently. Um, as a physician, I have to often tease out what each person means by fatigue. Um, when I think of fatigue, the definition of fatigue is being excessively tired or exhausted, you know, just feeling like you can barely make it. You can barely move forward, not lethargy, which is different where you literally can't get up or you're listless almost, but fatigue is just that tired feeling like, Oh, I just feel so sometimes it's not even like, Oh, if I feel, go to sleep, I'll feel better. It's more like more like being sleepy, but fatigue is just this constant feeling that no matter how much sleep you get, no matter what you do, you just feel tired. You just want to sit down. You just don't want to do much. Um, now, one of the most common reasons for this is stress and depression. When we get a lot thrown on us, when we're overwhelmed, our body responds by trying to rest. Um, that's a big statement that your body is making when it does that. Um, you probably should listen to it, especially if you're not fatigued all the time. Um, you know, listen to that and say, you know, maybe I do need to rest, but fatigue can also be a sign. If you've Googled fatigue ever, I, I recommend that you don't. Um, but there are a million different medical conditions that can, can be, um, heralded by fatigue where you, you know, see you're tired and it's like, oh, I have this thing or I have that thing. I mean, everything, almost everything is associated with some fatigue. So just thinking about how vague it is and how it's truly defined, how you defined it, define it is um, important. Um, so some people define it as, you know, I'm tired and then you dig in and they're actually short of breath, which is also different um, where they're not having, um, they're not able to breathe well, they're walking a dis- distance and they, they can't, they're out of out of breath. That's a whole different problem. And so as physicians, we have to like really tease this out quite a bit because you don't know what each individual patient is speaking to when they talk about being fatigued, but um, it is not normal to be tired all the time. Um, we've accepted that. There's a lot of, a whole lot of factors on this one. Um, the way that we work, the way that we do school, the way that we parent, um, the expectations we put on ourselves and others. Um, we, you know, there's so many people that are working two jobs and in school. I mean, that's insane, you know, and they have to do it because as we know, most any type of schooling is expensive. 
um, generally, but they have to do all this stuff to just make it from day to day. And when you add in parenting or being a spouse or being in ministry or any of that, it's just on and on and on. Um, Before the pandemic, a lot of people were also volunteering and doing things. And I just remember all the parents running kids to sports and doing this and doing that. And so we end up normalizing the fatigue because in a way, it's, it's typical, it's expected because you're doing a lot, but you have to pay attention to this. Your body doesn't get tired just for the sake of getting tired. That doesn't mean you need more Red Bull or caffeine or whatever it is. It means we need to really say, okay, I'm tired and I'm tired all the time and rest is not improving at what's going on. Um, something that we see a whole lot that's also been somewhat normalized is sleep apnea and sleep disorders, insomnia, things like that. And I tend to ask about that first because, you know, I talk about sleep a lot. There's a lot of people that just aren't getting enough sleep for whatever reason. And um, believe it or not, they don't tie that to their fatigue. So they will get alarmed by the fatigue and come in and say, you know, I'm fatigued, but they don't tie their um, environment, their activities to that fatigue. In a way they do, but not the sleep. Um, The sleep one is sometimes a, a light bulb moment for people. Um, you know, because you'll talk about all the other things, you know, of course they want to make sure they don't have a medical condition that's causing it. They want to make sure that, um, they're not, um, going through something, you know, they have something going on. They're like, Oh, you know, I have been really stressed, but one of those last things is like, Oh, but how, you know, how are you sleeping? You know, I asked that pretty early on, but I'm like, how are you sleeping? And it's like, Oh yeah, you know, I don't sleep at all. And then this is whole discussion of, you know, well, your sleep is really important because we've normalized not sleeping. So it's <laughs> just another branch of this discussion. Um, we've said, oh, it's normal not to sleep sometimes. We don't, you know, how much sleep do you really need? I'll sleep when I'm dead, all of those things. So we've got to get back to prioritizing our sleep. And that's something I've done this year is really try to, to get back to that. There's times where I, I tend to wake up in the middle of the night um, and I, 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 I'm a pretty good sleeper. I'll go back to sleep and I'm not, I don't have a lot of issues with that, but, um, you know, paying attention to that because for a while there, um, you know, I was like, maybe, um, maybe something's going on cause I'm not sleeping so well, but this has been such a roller coaster year that, um, you know, it could be anything of course, but you know, I, I improve my sleep and we prioritize our sleep. And as the time change, that's important too. Your circadian rhythm is a little different. So going to bed four hours after five hours after it gets dark doesn't work well for most people that are up early in the morning. So you have to be mindful of that. And I try to just, you know, even if it's eight o'clock, okay, we're going to bed at eight o'clock. And what's interesting about kids is, you know, Chase, if I put him to bed at eight, um, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, he's going to wake up really early. He doesn't, he needs that sleep. So he wakes up when I wake him up generally, you know, 10 hours later or so. So he, he, he needs that sleep. Um, and so we just need to do that. And if you wake up early, so be it, you know, learn your patterns, learn what your body likes. Um, if you're getting up a lot in the morning and you just have to keep hitting the snooze button, or you just not want to get out, that's a sign that you're not getting adequate sleep for some reason. Um, but on on other in other areas of fatigue, you know, there's of course autoimmune problems, you know, things like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and things that have fatigue as a as a part of that. Fibromyalgia has very very life altering fatigue um, associated with it. 
Um, so there are these things that you may have and may need to address um, that are causing you to feel tired. But we also need to look at our lifestyle. We need to look at, you know, our caffeine intake. We need to look at the sugar and things we're eating. We need to look at some of the other like deeper things, you know, dairy that some people handle well and some people don't, you know, gluten. Our body is saying something by making us tired, making us feel tired. Um, And so just thinking about all those different things that you can focus on and and hone in on, um, it will do you a lot of good to know how your body responds to certain things. And you may be able to to reverse the fatigue simply by doing that. Um, but like I said, you, I do recommend that you um, consult with your doctor, um, your medical team, if you are having a lot of fatigue, because it, there's just so many things that can cause that. Um, so I think this has been very comprehensive. It is a tip of the iceberg so to speak, of all of the different ailments that people have day to day, things that you may be dealing with um, that you thought were just normal, Um, you know, and it's not to say that you being having a condition or having something is that there's something wrong with you, but it's just being mindful of, you know, if I can get rid of this, and people say this all the time, if I can get rid of this problem, I would be so much happier. I would feel so much better because it's something that add stress to their lives. They have this condition that they don't want to have and they worry about it. And this is very, very, very important right now with COVID. There's a list of conditions. Some of these um, uh, conditions I've spoken on are um, conditions that significantly increase the risk for um, people to um, have problems with COVID if they were to contract it. So um, it is super important that we focus on this, that we look at, you know, how we can improve things and how we can try to heal our bodies while also um, taking care of them the way that God intended. As always, take care of you. This has been Pivot and Bloom with Camila Marie, MD. If you loved what you heard in this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button wherever your pods are cast and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time. This has been the Single Well Podcast. For more information on what you just heard, please visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Single Well, or you can email us at thesinglewell at gmail.com.